0: 702 on 92.7 at 106 FM streaming on 702.co.za The 702 app and on DSTV channel 856. My uh, next guest is uh, a speaker. She is the author. Uh, She's an author. She's also a human potential and parenting expert. And uh, I guess a continuation uh, of a conversation that we started Last week, Nikki Bush—that's what you're bringing us today. To when it comes to the matter of how to help your child determine that dominant hand. Good morning, Nikki. Good morning, Rufia. Is this a big problem? Is is there is it a big problem for parents? Um, is it a matter of overstepping or understanding boundaries or letting a child explore? Why what? Why are there do's and don'ts when it comes to children choosing that dominant hand?
1: It's really about a lack of understanding of how children actually develop wear. and sometimes parents are quite kind of competitive with their children's milestones and want to push their children to choose their dominance, their preferred hand, Mm -hmm. sooner rather than later. And what we're talking about here today is... A child's preference to favor one hand over the other for a skilled activity. So that would be cutting and drawing, things that really are about that serious fine motor control. And just so the parents know, in terms of timeline, it starts developing somewhere between two and four years of age. So that's when your child will start showing a bit of a preference, but they will often swap between two and four years of age. So you're going to watch them start an activity with one hand and then switch to the other hand. But by around four to six years of age, it should settle. It doesn't always, though. And sometimes it can take a child up until the age of seven to actually choose
0: their dominance, whether they are right-handed or left-handed. Okay, so it starts, you say, um, you start, it starts between two and four. Um, what is interesting is uh, you say sometimes a child, it can take a child up to the age of seven. And of course, by that age, uh, a child uh, ought to be in grade one already uh, without learning to write, etc. Um, when is this a problem, the fact that mm-hmm. they may not have settled on uh, a, a hand or well, does it have to, to be a problem?
1: Yeah, so, look, let's talk about ambidextrous children. Mm -hmm. Um, And only about 1% of the population is is ambidextrous. And that is a person who can perform really fine motor tasks equally well. So they can write with the left hand, cut with the right hand, and vice versa. And it's highly unusual. A good preschool teacher will be watching for dominance. And if there's a lot of mixed dominance in that last year of preschool when your child is five, you may be referred to an occupational therapist at that point. Because as you rightly pointed out, by the age of seven, they are in grade one and they are writing and one really wants a child to have settled their preferred hand before they hit grade one. So you may be sent to an occupational therapist for an assessment and for a little bit of support and help. But there's a lot that parents can actually do at home to help their children to um, really strengthen the dominant hand. But we must
0: also talk about the don'ts. All right. Um, let me know where you want to start. Perhaps let's start with the don'ts. Yes. And <laughs> let's start with the really don'ts. Much.
1: Sure. <laughs> and there's, there's not much when it comes to the don'ts. But in that, in that formative years, literally from the time they can sit as a baby, when they start reaching for things, right up until they determine their dominance, so probably until the age of pretty much around four or so if you're actually sitting with your child doing activities or even everyday stuff, like they're sitting at the kitchen counter and they're eating some cereal, when you pass them the spoon, put it in their midline. So put it in front of them on the table, in the center of their body. Don't give it to them on one side of their body or the other and we will often put it on the right-hand side if we are right-handed. So allow your child to pick it up with whichever hand they want. Mm -hmm. It's the same with a crayon or a pencil or a hairbrush or a toothbrush. Put it in the midline in front of them in the middle and see what they pick. And so observation is really quite important. We need to watch. We need to observe our children but try not to consciously influence them In the early years because you really want them to make that choice themselves because every child is wired differently they will all have a different dominant hand a different dominant eye a different dominant ear and a different dominant foot and all of this will impact on how they process information how they store information and how they retrieve information in the future, and you don't want to disturb that wiring. And so we relate back to that conversation we had last week mm. about left handedness. Sure. And how in the olden days, you know, teachers used to tie the left hand behind a child's back if they were showing a preference for being a left handed child, and how that could have caused processing difficulties academically. So we don't want to interfere in the natural wiring. we need to give uh, give our children as much as many
0: options to discover their handedness mm. by themselves as possible. interesting, not something um I think uh, i I've read a lot about um, and I wonder if uh, it's the experience of many people that being aware of placement, uh, you know, as you say, putting uh, objects in a child's midline as opposed to to their left or to their right, uh, you know, I I wonder how many people uh, are aware of that or cognizant of that. Um, Ultimately, Nikki, a kind of suggestibility that is unspoken, there might not be any pressure at all, even preference on your part (laughs) as a parent, obviously, but this is what you're doing. You're placing items on the right or the left and that there's a suggestibility perhaps to the child that um, "Mm, something's wrong here or I need to adjust (laughs) Uh, I wonder if that's also coming into play. Oh absolutely
1: and you know in a way what we're talking about is that we play to our own strength and our own bias Mm. and we always think of bias in terms of gender and race and things like that but here we have another situation of bias because it's more comfortable for us and so yes you're right one of the reasons why we're actually talking about this topic today is because most parents are completely unaware of this. So just a little bit of awareness could go a long way in helping your child to become a more eager learner. Okay. And, um, and, and yeah, and that's important.
0: Yeah. All right. We're going to delve into what activities um, a parent can do in order to help uh, confirm that child's dominant hand. And of course, yeah, you've unpacked ambidexterity for us. But before we do that, let's go to Mone Northriding, who has a question for you. Mone, good morning. Thanks so much for calling in. Hi. <coughs> Hi. 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 Na- wonderful
1: topic. Hi, Nikki. So I've observed that um, my one child is left footed naturally. Um, but right with the right hand naturally. Now, I I believe there's. Please clarify this, if you can. There's an issue that that could be an issue with the brain linking. The the, the way the dexterity is in this instance could lead to. I don't know, brain issues. If if you like, that's what I've heard. I, is that a myth? <laughs> what i would suggest Mornay, is that you look into genetic brain dominance profiling and you can actually get hold of information about that on nickybush.com there are people who specialize in this in fact i've had both my children profiled myself and my husband we were all profiled there is no there are hundreds of different combinations of left foot right hand left brain um, you know right ear etc none of them are wrong None of them are wrong. And and if you understand the connections, it will give you a massive window into understanding how your child operates in the world, how they will respond in any learning situation. So please don't think any of it is wrong. None of it is wrong. It is just the way your child is wired.
0: Okay, um, give us that. Um, give us uh, give us that name again, Nikki. Okay, so go to NikkiBush.com and just punch
1: in the search window: genetic brain dominance profiling.
0: Hmm. All right, fantastic. So, Mornay, nothing. Don't be alarmed. Nothing to be worried about. In fact, as you say, Nikki, uh, you could do with more research and reading. You could actually play to your, or you could help your daughter play to her strengths. Right. 100 percent you know if um, depending on which ear is dominant
1: depending on which eye is dominant a a brain profilogist and they, there are such people and they are fascinating to talk to will give you information like talk to the teacher tell them about your child's profile your child will learn better if they sit in the front right of the classroom or the back left of the classroom depending on their dominance profile and i find that fascinating Um, and it will also help you to help your child to select the best way to study when they're doing revision and things like that why not get hold of that kind of information about your specific child and then you've actually got a customized
0: solution Uh, it's not overly expensive and it's hugely insightful okay interesting stuff and this is uh, this phenomenon is called uh, mixed dominance Uh, No, 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 no. Mm -hmm. The mixed dominance is when a child will use either hand. What we're talking about
1: in terms of the eye, the ear, the foot, the brain, the hand is the genetic brain dominance profile.
0: Okay, It's an entirely separate conversation that we can have another day. All right, lovely stuff, Mona. I hope that helps you out and uh, have fun (laughs) with all your reading and your research as well. So in terms of activities or exercises that parents can get into to um, uh, confirm that child's dominant hand, first of all, but also to help them. What are those? Okay so let's just talk about some everyday activities the things
1: that get done around the house. So screwing lids on and off jars um, that is going to show you quite quickly uh, which hand your child prefers. Give them stickers and a sticker book and once again you will see what they prefer to use. Um, if you were making say pancakes and you had a batter And you allow them to help you stir the batter. Just watch. Watch which hand is the doing hand and which hand is the supporting hand. Which hand is going to hold the bowl and which hand is going to actually stir the batter. Things like kitchen tongs um, or clothes pegs. They're amazing. Just put them in the midline. uh, Give your child, um, say, a bowl of lemons And apples and some kitchen tongs and see what they do if they have to move or pick those apples or lemons out of the bowl with the kitchen tongs. And here's a lovely one. If um, you shred a piece of paper into small pieces and give your child some crayons, ask them to color in the little shreds and you're going to see very quickly which hand is stabilizing to prevent the paper from slipping around and which hand is actually going to be doing the coloring in. And then we must look at some gross motor activities. So what I've explained to you now is fine motor. That's the muscles of the hand, okay? With gross motor, it's going to be the whole arm. So things like uh, when they're outside and digging in a sand pit, when they're pouring things, if they've got one of those bigger trucks and things like that. When a child is pushing a, a car or a little toy truck in front of them, watch which hand they're actually using to push it. Also, when they're doing those bigger gross motor activities, they're also going to be crossing the midline of the body. So at the beginning of this conversation, I said when you give your child something to use, place it in the middle of their body, in the midline on the table in front of them. So if you take the center point of the chest, that would be the midline. When they're doing like pushing cars, for example, they usually push cars across their body from left to right or right to left, depending on which hand they're using. And when they do that, they're crossing over that midline of the body. And why is that important? Well, when they do that, they're actually integrating the left and right-hand sides of the brain. So the body and the brain are wired so that the right-hand side connects the left-hand side of the brain and the right-hand side of the brain connects with the left-hand side of the body. And that's where that genetic brain dominance profiling comes in again. So throwing of balls and beanbags, playing skittles or bowls, um, maybe hitting a suspended ball. Um, you know that um, the tennis ball, the the swing ball Um, that's that's an interesting activity Mm -hmm. to do Um, and yeah, watch what your children do when they're throwing and kicking balls, like Mornay said, he's got a child who's right handed and left footed and I guarantee you thousands of people who are listening to us today are going to go and watch their children this afternoon and discover the same thing. There is nothing wrong with this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some children are all on the right. Some adults are all on the right. Right ear, right hand, right foot, right eye. And that means something very specific, but it is not a problem.
0: Nikki, just very quickly, um, what you something you touched on when we were um, on the point of You know, a child perhaps not having decided or fallen on one side when it comes to um, their preference by the age of seven, right? By the time Mm -hmm. they hit uh, grade one, you said uh, they'll probably, or a teacher in grade R would, should have spotted this by now, whose teacher is looking out, should have spotted this by now, generally a child will be referred for occupational therapy. What might be the sort of exercises or interventions in occupational therapy um, that are brought to bear or might, might they be related to some of what you touched on and what parents can do to help their children? Yeah, so of course the body is the
1: architect of the brain and that's the wonder Of occupational therapy is they will take a child back to the basics they will take your child back to gross motor activities to big muscle activities Mm -hmm. they're going to get your child climbing up ladders going up ropes Um, pulling themselves along on wheels on the floor using both sides of their body. They'll use a lot of bilateral integration. They will get your child crawling on the floor because that uses both sides of the body. They'll work out if there are any weaknesses in particular. You know, they are so skilled at working out how the brain and the body are connected Mm -hmm. and once they find which side of uh, your, your, you know, whether your child is choosing right or left hand, they're going to then do a lot more activity with that side of the body now something that does happen that parents must be aware of once their children have actually chosen or shown a dominance for one side of the body you know the right hand or the left hand particularly if there's a little bit of weakness and we've been talking about low muscle tone in the past couple of weeks yes we have. and how that has crept in through isolation lockdown COVID, school from home more time in front of screens Sometimes children get tired when they're writing or when they're colouring in, and that's when sometimes they will swap hands. Now, what a parent needs to do if their child is, say, right-handed and they suddenly get tired and they swap to the left hand, rather than the child continuing with the activity, they should have a break, go for a rest, give the hand a rest, go and do something else, and then come back and use the dominant hand. So that will help avoid the mixed dominance and the confusion.
0: Okay, alright. Uh, I hope uh, moms and dads were very quickly able to cover their kids' ears. we <laughs> have got a little one in the car with you, because I know a little somebody in my life that uh, yeah would pick up on this and be like, oh, Mom, <laughs> I heard on the radio that <laughs> I ought to rest right now. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, thanks for those crib uh, notes for the little ones, here.
1: Nikki. A, a couple of minutes, you know, go and get them to run outside, climb up and down the jungle gym, have a
0: slide or two, come back and start all over again. Oh, you got to love kids always just, you know. um, Looking for the way out. Looking for a way out (laughs) and just in such a delightful and um, yeah, delightful and surprising ways as well. They really surprise you. They really, really surprise you at every turn. Fantastic stuff. Um, Nikki, you know, ultimately uh, as you said, you brought this up as a topic for our discussion this morning because uh, it's something that a lot of parents probably don't think about um or aren't even aware of now that we know this um you're not calling for a state of like hyper vigilance just take not note and be aware observation observation and if you want to pick up this conversation and chat further
1: go on to facebook to parenting matters with nikki bush and uh, we can pick up
0: this conversation there if anybody else has got some
1: questions so parenting matters on facebook Lovely
0: stuff. Of course, uh, Nikki Bush will be back next Saturday talking to us about uh, all things interesting, important, pertaining to parenting and realising, helping us uh, to realise our children's uh, uh, full potential. Uh, And if there's anything specific that you'd like Nikki to touch on or to expand on in our discussion, do drop me a mail, rufilwe at 702.co.za.